Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Let me kind of get a witness right here at the beginning of today's uh, sermon. Anybody, anybody participating with us, uh, do you have a past that you're not thrilled about? Does that make sense? Like anybody out there, if you're if you're watching today, if you're participating, just drop in the chat, uh, like either a hand emoji or a fist bump or something, just to let me know that you're there. Because because this week isn't titled, uh, isn't it awesome to be holier than thou? You know, that's not today's message. Today's message is for those of us who have a past that we're not proud of. Does that make sense? Well, like anybody, anybody feel that like you have a past that that you don't want to kind of uh, hit rewind and look at again. Matter of fact, you might just prefer that people forget your past. If that's you today, um, today's message is especially for you. But if it's not you, uh, there's something coming at the end that I think that that you'll appreciate as well. And so um, today we're, we're, we're recovering the idea that that what has been isn't what has to be. Does that make sense? That, that God is the God of the, of the underdogs and the, and the comebacks and the turnarounds. That, that God can, can flip a situation at any moment. And so we find ourselves, as we're journeying through the book of Acts, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 9 again this week. Uh, Last week we saw this major conversion story from from Saul. Saul, who eventually we know better as Paul, um, and, and he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it's this dramatic turnaround, right? Like, like if if you have a Bible, okay, and uh, you, you open to Acts chapter one, it's 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 Saul giving the approval for the stoning of Stephen, right? Like I mean, he is public enemy number one, and then for many of us, it's just one page turn, or it's the next like the next half of the page, and it's it's chapter nine verse fifteen. And God is declaring to Ananias about Saul that this man, this is the one who is cho- is my chosen instrument to carry my name. And so in one page, in just a few paragraphs, Saul goes from persecuting to preaching. And, and, and just like that's how the gospel works, right? Like it doesn't take, it doesn't, it takes one encounter with the presence of God to go from persecuting to preaching, to go from, uh, from murderer to uh, messenger, right? And, and that is, that is Saul's experience. He, to, to go from who we were to, to who God dreams that we can be. And last week, when we kind of landed the plane, we landed on the idea that it's not what you do, but it's whose name you carry. It, it, that, that your purpose isn't found necessarily in what you do, but in whose name you carry. And so this week, what I want to do is I really want to kind of look at the question of like, well, how do we do that? How do we carry the name of Jesus to our world. 
uh, and, and Saul, Paul, however you want to think about him, uh, helps us see something that I think is really important, especially for those of us, like I said, who have a past that we're not exactly proud of. I think that Saul shows us how we can own our story and in owning our story, see God demonstrate the gospel through us to the world around us. And so uh, Saul shows us how our past can actually become a platform to declare the gospel. Our past can become a platform to declare the gospel. Here's what I know about most everybody participating with us today. Odds are you are probably not a natural evangelist. I'm, I, I haven't done a survey. I don't have a lot of research to back this up. But odds are you odds are you're probably never going to tell the story of how you were you were witnessing at the mall and you were just stopping people and and prophesying to them and calling them out and telling them about the name of Jesus and and right there in the food court people were getting saved and matter of fact you baptized them in the fountain by the elevators <laughs> It's probably not going to be most of our, that's not saying it couldn't be your story, okay? But the reality is it's probably not most of us, okay? Most of us are not natural evangelists, but our story, and in particular, owning our story, really can set us up for a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. And I want to show you that in, in Saul uh, slash Paul's story. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 17 is where we're going to pick up today. And then we're actually going to bounce and see a couple of different things that Paul writes to churches or individuals about his story. So look at this. Verse 17 says that then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me. Man, isn't that like, come on, you could be an Ananias to somebody, right? Like, that's cool. Has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So immediately Ananias lays his hands on him, something like scales, fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. That is an incredible, incredible story. It keeps on going. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, and look at this question that they asked, these first, uh, these first four words. Isn't he the man? Isn't he, the, isn't that that guy? Isn't, that, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? So, so the people in, in Damascus, uh, you know, Saul gets there and he starts preaching about Jesus. And the people are like, wait a second, this guy, like this guy, isn't, isn't this that guy? 
Isn't this that guy that like was actively persecuting the people that's doing what this guy's doing? And, and so what happens as the story unfolds is, is uh, Saul creates a, a not a little bit of conflict in the city and they want to kill him. They, they want to kill him, and so he has to leave Damascus in a basket. They have to lower him uh, out of the walls in a basket, and he goes to Jerusalem. Well, when he gets to Jerusalem, the disciples are like, no, 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 wait a second. Isn't this guy that guy? <laughs> like his past seems to just continue following him, right? You know what I mean? Like, wait a second, we know this guy. This guy is that guy, and now he's this guy, and, and they're hesitant, and probably rightfully so. And then Barnabas, oh gosh, you got to love Barnabas. Barnabas steps up, and he vouches for him. He vouches for, for, the, for the transformation and the encounter that Paul, Saul, has experienced. And he, 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 he stands up for him, and he says, yes, that guy is now this guy. Absolutely. And, and so the disciples, they end up welcoming uh, Saul into the community. And what does he do? He starts preaching in Jerusalem. And, and sure enough, really quickly, people want to kill him. It's like wherever this guy goes, he stirs up so much commotion that people want to kill him. And so the disciples decide to quickly ship him off to Tarsus. And there's this really kind of humorous line in verse 31 that talks about after like Saul got out of town, they enjoyed a time of peace, <laughs> which is, is kind of a, a not so subtle way of talking about kind of like maybe Saul's personality at this point in his life, how he stirs up a lot of things. But, but when we read this, we could of course be thinking like, well, yeah, like of course his past is haunting him then. It, it, it's like his recent past. It just happened. Of course it's relevant then. It, it's like just a few days ago he was doing this. But I want to show you this. This is a, this is in a letter to uh, a, a young um, a young disciple named Timothy that Paul writes at, at near the end of his life. He's he's lived and he's he's gone through these missionary trips and journeys and he sees people saved and filled with the Spirit and miracles happening all around him and he's lived this incredible life. And even at the end, Paul is still celebrating what God has done, and he's owning all the parts of his story. Let me show you this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Paul says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. And then look, verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man. He's, he's owning all of the parts of his story that he would probably prefer to forget. He's owning all of the parts of his story that we would probably prefer to forget about our own story. He says, no, no, no. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Man, isn't, like, you can hear the, it, it still moves him that, that he was once blind, 
but now he can see. The amazing grace still moves Paul and, and captures his imagination. And you might be thinking today, can I make it over the hurdle? Can I be changed? Can I be transformed? What I want you to hear in, in Paul's testimony to Timothy is, yes, you can. And he goes on. Verse 15, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then he, I think he kind of pauses. He writes it. He says, here's a trustworthy saying, Timothy. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he gets ready to hit, like hit a period and go to the next thought. And he says, no, wait a second. Timothy, I just got to remind you of whom I am the worst. He still has it. He still remembers who he was when Jesus encountered him on that road to Damascus. He goes, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, in me, the person who had gone all the way off the road, in me, Christ Jesus might display, I love this, his immense patience as an example. Come on. Do you realize, come on somebody, do you realize that what you've been through can be an example for others? He says, he says, I'm an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. When, when they see me, Paul says, they see the possibility and patience of God that can find them too. And I just want to encourage you, when you own your story, when you don't try to erase your story, when you own it, then, then people can see the grace of God in your life. You see, what we want to do so often is we want to diminish our past. We want to diminish it and move on. We want to get restoration and move on. Go to rehab, get cleaned up, close the book, don't talk about it anymore. Work through the struggle, deal with the issue, minimize it, and move on. That's how we want to go because, because I think we don't want to be defined by our past. I don't want to be defined by my past. You, I know you don't want to be defined by your past, but friend, can I tell you something that's so important? It's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are open, when we are open with our story, it doesn't define us. It defines him. Do you see that in what, in what Paul wrote to Timothy? He, he says, it doesn't define me. I was a blasphemer. I was a violent man. But because of the mercy and grace of God, me, the worst of sinners, had the grace abundantly poured out in my... When we open up our story, when we acknowledge, we don't try to erase our past, we, we own all of the parts of our story that we would prefer to forget. It doesn't define you. It defines him. Listen, God wants people to be able to look at your life and catch a glimpse of his grace, of his glory. Our fear, our fear is that people would, would see that part of us and walk away and, 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 and be thinking, can you believe this guy? Can you, I don't want anything to do with him. I can't believe he used to, you know, and, 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 and listen, if you've got a redeemed story, if you've got a redeemed past, 
If God has changed and transformed your life, if you've had an encounter with the presence of God that has left you changed and different, when they see you, they'll see what God did in your life. And when they see that, it doesn't define you, it defines Him. It defines Him as a God of grace. It defines Him as a God of mercy. They'll see what he did in your life and they'll think, I didn't know Jesus cared about people like that. If Jesus cares about that, maybe he cares about people like me. When they see what God did in your life, they'll they'll think, I didn't know God could work with someone like that. I didn't know, I didn't understand how, I don't, I don't, I still don't get how God can bring somebody through something like that. When they see your past, it doesn't define you, it defines him. Our our redeemed and restored stories, they don't repel people. They gather people, not to our story, but to the story of Jesus. They gather people to the story of Jesus. It defines our God as a, a God of grace and redemption. But God sent someone to me. But God woke me up when I was asleep to his purpose and presence in my life. But God gave me strength to make it through something I thought was going to take me out. It doesn't define me. It defines him. But God gave me new sight. But God gave me new ability. But God opened up possibility again. I thought I was running my life. It turned out I was ruining my life. But God stepped in and he changed everything. It doesn't, when you open your story, when you open up your story, it doesn't define you. It defines him. And if we can deal with our fear of of getting some kind of reputation of of being that guy, and the way we do that, listen, here you realize I'm not that guy anymore, right? Like like Paul, Paul didn't say, hey, I am a blasphemer. I am a violent man. I am a murderer. No, he didn't. He said, I was. This is who I was. And when, when we realize... When we own the truth that I'm not that guy anymore, I might not be who I who I need to be. I might not be who I'm I'm called to be, but I'm definitely not who I was. I'm not that guy. That's in my past. When we realize that, then people will stop thinking about that guy and they'll start thinking about themselves. And they'll start thinking, I wonder if God, if God can do that in their life, I wonder if God can do it in my life. And, and here's the really cool part that I think that, that, that's so cool about Saul is it doesn't matter what your past may look like. Because some of us right now, you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but I don't have that kind of past. Like, for the most part, I've been a pretty good person. I'm, I haven't done anything dramatically awful or, or evil. I never went totally off, off the course, off kilt. I never did any of that. And see, what's cool about Paul, man, is Paul is the patron saint both for the worst of us and also the best of us. Paul knows what it's like to realize I'm the worst of sinners, but also to realize, listen, I had, I had checked every box on the list to be accepted by God. Because, because is Paul a horrible murderer, violent blasphemer? 
Yes. Is Paul the do-gooder of all do-gooders? <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Paul tells the Philippians church in, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, listen, I've, I've had it all, I've tried it all, and Jesus is better than all of it. Look at this, verse, verse, verse 4, Philippians chapter 3, he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And, and he's just, he recounts how he had checked every box. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, look at this, faultless. I was faultless. According to keeping the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. Can you imagine how hard it was, it was to be faultless according to the in a system that promised a savior, Paul was doing everything to find it. Paul was checking every box, Paul was dotting every I, crossing every T. Can you imagine the performance trap that Paul was caught in? And, and now, and, and to discover, to discover that, wait, 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 it's not about performing. It's, it's, it's about grace coming from heaven. It's not about striving for acceptance, but living from acceptance to realize that, that he was no longer living for the approval of, of God, but, but he was, he, he, he was, he, he was, um, he, he was living from a place of already being welcomed and accepted, already being approved. That's incredible. When, when, when he, he was living in the system, he was living in the system that promised a Savior, and he had done everything he could to find the Savior, but when he couldn't find the Savior, the Savior found him on a road to Damascus, when he had done everything, everything right in his own in his own mind, he found the Savior that encountered him and showed him that it wasn't about doing everything right. It wasn't about being being faultless according to the law, because even that was a was a fool's errand. So listen, I don't know what your past looks like. I don't know what it looks like for you to own if. If Saul, Paul, can own his story, all the parts of it, the good parts and the not-so-good parts, if he can own it all, so can you and so can I. We can own our story. Because, li listen, when we, when we deny the story, that's when it defines us. But when we own the story, when we own all the parts of the story, that's when God can write a new ending for us. That's when God can write a new ending for you. So come on, today, right there where you're at, what would that look like? What would it look like for God to own, like for, for, for you to own all the parts of your story and surrender all of the parts of your story to God? To be used by Him, 
however he sees, however he leads you, what would that look like? As we, as we close today and sing one more song together, as we, as we just enter into a time of worship again, I want you to just think about like what would that look like for you to own all the parts of your, to let all of the parts of your story belong and to let God use what he sees fit to accomplish his purpose in your life and even in the lives of others. Let me pray for you and let's sing this song together. God, we thank you today that we can own all of the parts. We don't have to, we don't have to erase the parts we don't like, but you can redeem those parts and bring good from them. Lord, people can look at our lives and realize that if you can do it in us, you can do it in them. Lord, we want to be witnesses, living testimonies to the power, the grace, and the love of God active in a human life. What you can do, because if you can do it in us, you can do it in anybody. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.